0: Put on the old leather helmet and jawed burrs and get out there (laughs) and throw the pigskin around. Howdy. You're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. They say that in Texas, football is religion, and for an entire generation, the greatest Texas gridiron hero was without question, Doak Walker. He had a nearly perfect career and won just about every award possible, from high school to the NFL. But it was playing for Southern Methodist University that he made his greatest mark, turning the Cotton Bowl into the house that Doak built. But before we put the backfield in motion... What's your favorite football movie set in Texas? Well, my favorite football movie set in Texas, and
1: possibly my favorite football movie of all time, is the wonderful uh, Necessary Roughness, starring Scott Bakula. <laughs> uh, it was set at the, the fictional North Texas State University, I believe.
2: It was actually Texas State University. But Texas filmed, State University, but it was but it,
1: filmed at UNT, right? right? Yeah,
0: I, I, Mean Green. That's right.
2: I, I like it more for their their kicker. Well, Kathy, yes, Kathy Ireland.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, look my favorite. Look her up, kids. Yeah, Different look generation.
2: her up. Yeah, not for the furniture, but rather for her er- earlier career. <laughs> uh, so my favorite one is uh, the Friday Night Lights, which is based on a book uh, about Odessa Permian High School, and it starred Billy Bob Thornton. It's a great movie and it was turned into an even better television series.
0: I think those are all great movies. Um, I don't think it matters what sports movie you pick because it seems like every sports movie pretty much comes to Texas, and a Texas team is always the bad guy in whatever movie. (laughs) So I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I'm going to say North Dallas 40 because it's just a... I just love the 70s. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a great film. Uh, Nick Nolte, before, you know, before Nick Nolte was what Nick Nolte is now, kids. You need to <laughs> yeah. g- Google it. And Mac Davis. Mac Davis. catch your
2: superstar, Mac Davis.
0: Yep. <laughs> Ewell Doak Walker was born on January 1st, 1927 in Dallas, Texas, to Ewell and Emma Walker. His father was a teacher and coach at North Dallas High School, and he ensured that football was in his boy's blood. The legendary stories started early. When he was three years old, he was receiving underhand passes from his dad in the backyard. As a teenager, he sneaked into the equipment closet in his father's school and imagined himself scoring touchdowns, with no one able to catch him. Doke attended Friday night high school games with his mother and Saturday college games at nearby Southern Methodist University with his father. Once he was old enough, he sold popcorn and peanuts at SMU's O&B Stadium. He lived and breathed the game of football.
2: Doak lettered in five sports at Dallas's Highland Park High School. Basketball, swimming, track, baseball, and football, but his favorite was always football. He played on the same team at Highland Park with quarterback Bobby Lane, who was a year older. Together, these two standout athletes made Highland Park one of the top football powers in Texas. They reached the state quarterfinals their first year, then the semifinals the next, and after Lane graduated, the state finals. The duo became lifelong friends, although in college, they'd find themselves on
1: opposing teams. After graduating from high school in 1945, Walker joined the Merchant Marine and became a radio operator. But the war was mostly over, and he was discharged in October. Despite being a Dallas boy, Doak initially intended to attend the University of Texas in Austin with his friend Lane. However, after the young men attended an SMU game in New Orleans, the Mustang backfield coach, Rusty Russell, who had also been their coach at Highland Park, talked Doak into attending SMU instead. Doak enrolled the following Monday and played a football
0: game against UT and his friend Bobby Lane the next Saturday. While at SMU, Doak played halfback, was the place kicker, and is sometimes even a punter. He wore the number 37, which had been the number he wore on his first organized football team in grade school, as well as the number of his favorite player, SMU star, Harry Shuford. By a happy accident, when he arrived at SMU, number 37 happened to be one of the only three jerseys left that would actually fit him. Despite only playing half a season with SMU, he made all-conference. He was drafted into the Army in 1946, but returned to SMU in 1947. During his time at SMU, Doak
2: added three more all-Southwest Conference player awards. In his first year back from the Army, he also won the Maxwell Award, which is given to the Collegiate Player of the Year. Finally, in 1948, he won the Heisman Trophy, the highest award that can be bestowed upon a college football player. Doak was the first junior to receive the award, and he was only the second Texan after legendary TCU quarterback Danny O'Brien. Winning the Heisman was a thrill for him, and he later said, quote, I was in the tall cotton.
1: In his 35 games with SMU, Walker's statistics were incredible. 288 points scored, 2,076 yards rushing, 1,786 yards passing, which was on 128 of 222 attempts, 450 yards in receptions, 750 yards on 50 punt returns, 764 yards on kickoff returns. He averaged 39.6 yards on punts. Southern Methodist University had a 23. 23- record in his last three years, and won two Southwest Conference championships. His teammate Francis Pilati later said, Having Doak on our team was like having loaded dice or marked cards. We just felt like we had to do our part and Doak would do the rest. The most amazing thing
0: is he did it all so effortlessly. He made it look so simple. Doak was a genuine sensation who electrified football fans in Dallas and throughout the state. Sportswriters gave him nicknames, Dynamite Doak and Dauntless Doak. The crowds that came to see him play eventually outgrew o Stadium, prompting a move to the Cotton Bowl at Fair Park in Dallas. But even the Cotton Bowl was too small to accommodate the large crowds that Walker drew, and 30,000 seats were added to the stadium. Quite literally, the Cotton Bowl became the house that Doak built. Walker used to humbly quip that he was usually sore after playing there, but... I never got any blisters working on that stadium.
2: <laughs> Doak wasn't just a local sensation, though. He was a true national sports icon. The media loved him, and during his college career alone, he pe- he appeared on over 50 magazine covers, including Life magazine. SMU publicist Lester Jordan said, Doak was a wonderful boy. He never missed an appointment with a single writer or photographer. He was so patient he'd do anything for them. One time, a photographer was having trouble shooting a picture from a particular angle of Doak kicking a field goal, so he asked Doak to kick left-footed. Doak did, and the photographer got his picture.
1: (laughs) No uh, indication of whether he actually succeeded with the kick.
2: Probably knowing Doak Walker, he succeeded.
1: (laughs) It was this humble nature that was the most remarkable part of the Doak Walker legend. Despite his fame and popularity, he never bragged, he never boasted, and he never traded on his fame. A 1977 Texas Monthly article said, He was a nice, clean-cut boy from a fine family who could do it all on the gridiron. He could run, throw, catch, punt, place kick, and play tenacious defense. Doak Walker was the American dream. He was strong,
0: handsome, humble, loyal, and true. These characteristics were evident in his last year at SMU. Despite being hurt most of his senior season in 1949, Collier's Magazine still wanted to name Doak to their All-American team for the second consecutive year. With characteristic humility, he asked the magazine to award it to a more deserving player who had played the full season. Collier's instead named Walker the 1949 Player of the Year for sportsmanship. During... (laughs) Thanks thanks for listening, Collier's. (laughs) Appreciate that. During his time at SMU, Doke even managed a letter in basketball and baseball and was a member of the Phi Delta Theta fraternity. He also met, and later married, Norma Peterson. Walker graduated from SMU in 1950, and after getting
2: married, he reported to the Detroit Lions of the National Football League, who'd signed into an amazing $27,000 a year contract. This was at a time when the average NFL salary was less than $8,000 a year. It was even more amazing because despite the fact that sports writers and fans loved Oak as a college player, at 5'11 and 173 pounds, Walker was not big at all, even by the
1: day's standards,
2: and he was considered too small for the pros.
1: Their apprehension was misplaced. From the start, Walker excelled in the NFL as much as he did at SMU. Once again, he was a great all-around athlete who ran, punted, kicked, played defensive back, passed, and caught. Doak was named NFL Rookie of the Year and an All-Pro in 1950. He was reunited with old Highland Park teammate Bobby Lane, who was playing quarterback for the Lions. Together, the powerhouse Texan duo led the Lions from last place in their division during Doak's rookie season to -to back-to-back NFL championships in 1952 and 1953. He led the NFL in scoring three of the six years he played, including his last season when the Lions were considered the worst team in the league. He was an All-Pro selection four times and played in the Pro Bowl five of the
0: six years he played, only missing one year due to injury. Doak's statistics don't look so great compared to current players, though. He earned fewer rushing yards in his entire career than later Lion legend Barry Sanders scored in a single season, but for his time, he was considered phenomenal. Because he played so many roles on the team, he had fewer opportunities for rushing yards, but he could always be counted on to make the big plays. And in the end, he scored over 500 points. Canning's biography, Doak Walker, more than a hero, referred to him as "poetry in motion" along the lines of Byron, Shelley, and Keats. I love old-time sports writers. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> After only six years with the NFL, Doak Walker retired in 1955. In his biography, he said, "I didn't retire in 1955 because I lost the desire. I had achieved just about everything that I felt I could." I always knew it was something you couldn't do forever, and I didn't want to be one of those guys who stayed a year too long. I didn't want to leave burned out or crippled. He accepted a job offer from an electrical construction company that paid him the same as the Lions did. He was transferred to
1: Colorado, and for the rest of his life, he'd split his time between there and Dallas. Doke did have second thoughts in 1957 and returned for Detroit's summer training camp, but after a few days, he changed his mind and left at 2 a.m. to fly back to Denver. His wife later said, quote, he had a hard time getting away from football, so we went back to Detroit, but he felt Hopalong Cassidy had come along and taken his position. Walker later spent a year as an assistant coach for the Denver Broncos and in the 60s flirted with coaching for the Lions and the Dallas Cowboys, but nothing ever panned out. He helped with recruiting for SMU for a while, but after going on a recruiting trip, he became disenchanted with the direction college sports were going. It was the end of football for the legend, and eventually he went into business for himself, founding Walker Chemicals. His business went well, and he eventually sold the company and became a vice president of the Fishbach and Moore Electric Group.
0: Doak and his wife Norma had four children, Lori, Chris, Russell Doak, and Scott Alexander, but their marriage would end a divorce in 1965. In 1969, Doak married former Olympian skier Skeeter Werner, They lived together in Steamboat Springs, Colorado for the rest of their lives. Walker was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1959, the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 1973, and finally the Professional Football Hall of Fame in 1986. There was a long-time prejudice against Doak that he'd not played long enough in the NFL to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. In fact, as late as 2007, sports writers such as Paul Zimmerman were citing him as the least deserving of induction of any member of the Hall. It was only through the efforts of the Old Timers Committee that Doak was finally inducted for his impact on the game while he played. It is fitting that his old friend, teammate, and fellow Hall of Famer Bobby Lane was the one to induct him. In 1989,
2: SMU and Dr. Pepper set up the Doak Walker Award, which is given annually to college football's best running back. It's the only major college football award that requires the candidates to be in good academic standing and to be on schedule to graduate within a year of other students in their class. On January 30, 1998, Doak was paralyzed in a skiing accident in Colorado. He died due to complications from the accident at his home on September 27, 1998. His friends said that even after the accident,
1: Doak maintained a positive demeanor until the day he died. Shortly before Doak Walker's death, Sports Illustrated writer Rick Riley wrote about Walker, He's Doak Walker, and he was as golden as golden gets. He had perfectly even white teeth and a jaw as square as a deck of cards and a mop of brown hair that made girls bite their necklaces. He was so shifty you couldn't have tackled him in a phone booth, yet so humble that he wrote the Associated Press a thank-you note for naming him an All-American. Come to think of it, he was a three-time All-American, twice one of the most outstanding players at the Cotton Bowl, four-time All-Pro. He appeared on 47 covers, including Life, Look, and Colliers. One time, Kyle wrote another gridiron golden boy saw a guy buying a football magazine at a newsstand. Don't buy that one, wrote said. It's not official. It doesn't have a picture of Doak Walker on the cover. Football. (laughs) No, I mean, it's pretty remarkable you know i mean i think one of the most remarkable things is that he made his mark on football and then didn't that wasn't his whole life right i mean he he was known for it and he was very popular but he kind of had a had a sense for when to step away from the
0: game and and let that legend live on its own well you know he was there at that kind of golden time when you could be a small frame guy and you could actually put on the old leather helmet and yeah Jod burrs and get out there and throw the pigskin around.
2: Yeah. He actually did wear a regular helmet, but he didn't wear a face mask. And that was, (laughs) uh, yeah, he is, he's, he's kind of like a, although he didn't have the longevity. He's kind of like a Ted Williams type of character. Just the, the, the all-American good guy, good boy um, that everybody loved. And, and he was, he was quintessentially Texan. I mean, anybody that says when I won the Heisman Trophy, I was in the tall cotton is a Texan. Through and through.
0: <laughs> well, there's been a lot of, you know, we've been uh, between between us talking a lot about Texas athletes and some of the some of these historical Texas athletes, and I think it's interesting just to see the integrity and personality of some of these guys, especially an old timer like Dope Walker. Mm -hmm. so yeah he doesn't have the shady sort of jim Bowie type of (laughs) history about him
2: yeah no but i mean as a character like you if you wrote this character in a book people would say that's not a realistic person it's it's kind of like uh um the character from gone with a when melanie who I had an English teacher say she, I used to think she was the most unrealistic character I'd, I'd ever read about because I didn't think anybody could be that perfect until I actually met someone who was that perfect. And so, like, Dulk Walker was like – he was like a comic book character or a, or a boy's book character, you know, the, the, you know, boy's adventure story character of
1: mm-hmm. –
2: perfect and true in every way and and like there's there's no bad things about him no one has anything bad to say about him
1: yeah well i mean and he strikes the the similarities strike me between him and uh, joe green as well you know it's like they they both excelled in their their sport but Mm -hmm. underneath it all they were just really good guys yeah yeah and you know he
2: did everything he did he did it perfect you know he just yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna touchdown now don't stop me <laughs> you can't oh, stop what? me what
1: yeah. you need me to kick the ball i
2: can you do need that be, yeah. you need a quarterback okay i'll i'll be quarterback yeah, yeah. I, mean,
1: <laughs> I mean it's it's interesting you know the point that it makes there that we uh you know that you made in the research that you know it's like he didn't he didn't excel in any one category enough for a lot of people to consider him hall of fame worthy right but there's there's stats that are remarkable that aren't really a statistic people look at like total points scored you know regardless of what position he's doing right and and he
2: also came along at a really important time for the nfl uh and for college football because before the war and before the 1950s college football was the game it was it was the respectable game it was the that was where the best talent was was in college football the nfl was kind of a you know in the 30s and it was kind of a sh- a shady uh, kind of deal where you know gentlemen didn't go take money to play football, um, and so Walker really really was the Texas hero, and then the, the great Texas hero of uh, of college football, and college football continued to be really important even to this day. But the NFL really needed a Duke Walker to to kind of step up its image and prestige. You know, they had the best football player in the country, the most recognizable football player in the country, and he went to play for the Detroit
0: Lions. You know, that's why they paid him so well. Yeah. Well, there you go. When you need to clean up football, <laughs> just recruit some Texas players. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the, I guess the last thing that I thought is, is really sad is just like the—I the. Um, uh, the I guess the last thing is, that I think is a little sad is is how his life ended. Uh, you know skiing accident and paralyzed you just you don't like to see that for anybody, but then, yeah, you know these kind of like somebody who's a gifted athlete like that uh seems like an ignoble end but it's but it's true to
2: his character that he didn't let it get him down he didn't let it defeat him, and that's that's the that's the the image that that he would have wanted to leave with and that he got to leave with so mm. Uh, you know, and the thing. So the interesting thing is that Ricky Williams from the University of Texas was a superstar there in 1997, 98, and he was actually a two-time winner of the Doak Walker Award. and And after Doak Walker's death, he changed his number from 34 to 37 in honor uh, of Doak Walker. So he won in 90, won it in 97, and then he won it again in 98. He also won the Heisman Trophy in 1998, and he he was wearing Doak Walker's number when he did that.
0: That's really sweet. Football. 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 That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you. So like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast. Or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And if you'd like to support the show financially... Why not go to patreon.com slash Podcast and sign up to be a member of the Come and Take It Nation. If you want to follow us individually, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. We know you love Texas. You probably love football because you love Texas. And you love Texas football even more. So get out there and tell your friends. Your coach needs you. Your team needs you. Your state needs you. Uh, Just make sure you get out there and tell everyone you know. Leave reviews on iTunes because it helps us to get attention and to find new listeners just like you. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. Hut, hut.